Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Well, happy season after Labor Day, everyone. I feel like my entire life is divided into like before Labor Day and after Labor Day in the fall. I don't know how um, all of the rest of you beautiful people who are listening, how you divide your time, but for those of us in religious systems, so often we see the world in terms of program season. And for many of us, our program season starts um, in terms of large events like middle of August and really beginning of September all the way through about May or sometimes June for the overachievers. But we have lots of things in faith communities coming to bear. High holy days for our Jewish kin, the change of seasons for many of our traditions in, in the religious tradition that I belong to, Protestantism, we have Rally Day, which is like really big in many parts of Ohio, where everyone just kind of comes back after the summer. And there is this rejuvenation of, of work and labor and all of this participation in the efforts we share. So Kelly and I are going to take just a bit today in this episode to talk about labor and repro because many people don't think about the repro community as a labor community or a labor workforce. But there's very much a labor workforce at play in repro and there's a lot of spirituality and religious values that play into that community, right? Um, again, big key part of repro advocacy is advocating for safe and sustainable communities for people to be able to raise children or not raise children in how they choose. Those safe and sustainable communities start with how we govern our own organizations and how we care for our people, which, um, Kelly, you you have been crowned our, our self-proclaimed and, and staff-affirmed repro self-care queen, right? Um, I, I think you've written an additional blog uh, recently about other elements of self-care, but like Self-care is not something that many organizations put up front for their workers, but it's something that we do here at Faith Choice Ohio, and frankly, most excellent repro organizations do all the time. Um, can, can you talk about what it looks like to center self-care in the repro world and particularly in the labor force? Yeah, no, I and this is really... Uh, top of mind for me because uh, I work at If When How. Um, I talk about that a lot. Um, love both of the organizations I work for and the very generous uh, benefits uh, that I receive from from them. And I think like some of that is uh, you know what policies are in place for the organizations I work for, but also some of that is just like the um the culture around those policies as well because it's one thing to say like oh you get to have days off and you can um use your sick time and like stuff like that but it's another thing to actually actively encourage your staff to like actually care for yourself um and i think part of that is i mean in the in the regular everyday life of me as a worker in repro um that looks like you know i uh, i have 
I know in the in the teams that I work on, it's often that we have the tendency to try to push ourselves to keep working when we shouldn't be, um, you know, if we're feeling sick or if we're feeling just exhausted or things like that. Um, and I think part of that uh, workforce uh, care is actually encouraging your staff to use the policies that you have in place for them. Um, and also like paying your staff well, um, you know, uh, listening to your staff when they bring up issues, having uh, things in place to allow staff to say like, uh, these are the areas that I struggle with and this is like something that I'd like to be work on, worked on. Um, for example, uh, because I am a part-time worker here at Faith Choice Ohio um, and I am a full-time worker at If One How, uh, my time is very limited. And so um, I've been able to work with our team here at Faith Choice Ohio to uh, make it so I can still continue to do my work here, but also like care for myself and not feel exhausted and not feel strained. So if you, um, you know, have signed up for some of our SMA trainings, um, you may have noticed that some of them are at noon instead of seven. Well, that is because I get off work at <laughs> five and would like to, you know, be able to rest at the end of the day. So, you know, we have conversations and are able to say, you know, okay, let's make adjustments to our schedule so it's not stretching you beyond uh, what is normal for you, you know, not pushing you over the edge trying to avoid burnout in an actual like sustainable way i think like when we think about uh i think often when people think about like labor um or like that sustainability portion in uh repro they might think about like just having good wages which obviously is very important um but also even if you're making good money in an environment that doesn't feel like it supports you, then it's not, it doesn't make it a good environment just because you get paid well, you know? Um, so yeah, those are kind of just some of the things. I mean, I am just a little baby and I've only, <laughs> I've only had um, a few, a few uh, different positions that I've been in um, since I've joined the workforce. Um, but I've been very, um, uh, lucky is not the word, but I feel very grateful for um, the places that I've ended up to be not only um, like paid what I'm worth or um, uh, given you know benefits that uh, are really helpful for me but also to be in environments that are not just saying oh you have all of these uh, benefits and stuff but also looking out for me and saying like I noticed that you haven't been um, using this thing even though you obviously could benefit from that, you should probably do that. I mean, one example from If One How that I often use is that we have, you know, a good amount of time off, um, but I am not used to taking time off because I think that I can work all the time. Um, but to have people on my team who say like, uh, for example, uh, you know, I think we all have anniversaries that are hard for us, you know, days of, um, anniversaries of deaths or just remembering traumatic things that have happened in the past and so uh, I have had those and recently I was like oh I don't think I'll take it off you know I think I'll be fine it's kind of like hit or miss whether it really affects me and my coworker was like no I'm rescheduling my meeting with you and 
you're <laughs> like, I am not going to be the reason that you work on this day. That's obviously going to be a hard day for you. So I think like part of um, a good employer is like being uh, paid well and having those benefits on on paper. But part of it is also uh, like having being encouraged to actually use those and not feeling shame around like taking time off or uh, needing to reschedule things, just accepting that that's a part of life and it's not something that you should be ashamed of. It's a part of actually caring for yourself and giving yourself time. So those are my thoughts as a little as a little baby labor person <laughs> um, that I have. A baby labor person. I don't buy that for a minute. I don't buy that for a minute. I have worked with you for far too long. I know that you are a consummate professional in all of your jobs. And, you know, frankly, part of part of the problem is also part of the joy when it comes to repro workers that I don't know a single person who works in repro that isn't dedicated, passionate, and just ready to give sacrificially, quite frankly, of themselves. These jobs are not jobs that are worked by people who just punch a clock and walk home at night and don't think about the thing. Like, the work that we do is essential to who we are and the communities that we exist in and that we're building. So there is a real difficulty sometimes in separating out the labor part from the passion part. And being able to set really healthy boundaries in these systems and these organizations to say, I am passionate about what I do, and I am not going to sacrifice of myself to the point that I am harmed in order to keep a system going. But there there have to be appropriate and healthy boundaries. Um, you know, for me, as a professional who has worked multiple jobs simultaneously my entire career, I love the challenge and, frankly, the stimulation of being in multiple roles at the same time, right? I mean, I'm a parish pastor part-time, and I'm also a part-time faith organizer with Faith Choice Ohio. In traditional 40-hour workweek terms of, like, you know, the whatever the nuclear family and nuclear job prospects were 50 years ago, right? The understanding that a person who does not work full time should not get benefits just doesn't work in the gig economy, right? Like we've gotten to a point now where the idea that people are working multiple part-time jobs may be out of necessity and maybe because that is where they feel called to use their time and energy, that opens up a question of how do those persons get benefits? How do we ensure that there's you know proper time off, vacation? How do we negotiate those kind of intangibles to make sure that we're healthy and also well cared for financially? Um, for me personally, I in, enjoy a great benefit from this job that there's a lot of flexible time, right? We we both as workers here at Faith Choice Ohio, um, we get to flex our time during busy seasons. We are working a lot more in terms of hours than what our average is. And that means in other seasons, we work a lot less because that's the ebb and the flow of a healthy system. Um, unhealthy systems will say, 
you are contractually obligated to this many hours a week. And if you go over that, that's just what you're sacrificing for this job, but you will never go under that, right? We don't have that kind of work culture here. And in so many ways, we have access to benefits that we have in place to make our lives better that might not be financial benefits, but they are benefits of space and time, benefits of scheduling, um, benefits of, of being able to pursue our own passions within our job prospect as well. Um, you know, I get to go and preach and teach around the state, which I'm getting ready to embark on uh, the statewide uh, <laughs> statewide moral messaging cruise, I call it, um, because I enjoy that kind of engagement and that's work that needs to be done for the organization, right? Um, you know, your engagement as a development person, you get to engage in certain elements of development within our organization that spur you to develop in, in your vocation. So it's, it's really a wonder when you look at how labor operates, it's a wonder in this environment for repro folks to be able to create jobs in a different way than traditionally has been done before. And just to be clear, like we are not formally unionized at our workplace, although we support workplace unions. Um, we're just kind of uh, a union of a few <laughs> that, that we, we uh, collaborate, uh, you know, more, I would say, organically than a lot of workplaces. But we've seen the unionization movement in repro really take off um, here in the past, particularly three, four years. You know, when the pandemic hit, uh, repro workers were at the forefront of pandemic era risk. And the question became very starkly put before us, like, if these people are risking this, and they have been risking, right, even before the pandemic, they were at the front line of, of repro risk. Why are they not receiving the compensation and the time off and the benefits that that risk really, really inherently calls us to? So you had larger organizations, um, particularly uh, large independent clinics, um, preterm in our region, um, as well as the Planned Parenthood affiliates go through a process where many of them had unionization movements come forward. Um, other organizations had unionization movements come forward and they decided not to really support that and in some places to try to quash that movement. Um, and it's and it's unfortunate. I mean, we're not to talk around it. We experienced just this week um, an organization that had some serious allegations of workplace toxicity just decide to essentially unilaterally fire all of their employees who weren't executives. Um, and I, I I think it's okay for us to name like that organization. All above all um, is a pretty linchpin organization in the repro matrix and purports to be an RJ organization and decided instead of dealing with the workplace toxicity complaints that came forward, they just decided to sack everybody. And that's something that we see in traditional business, I use big air quotes around traditional business, right? So like when people start talking about unions or people start talking about workplace issues, many times companies will just fire tons of people and start new, 
or they will shut down a factory completely and move their factory someplace that they don't have to deal with those concerns. We see those same concerns in Repro because at the end of the day, Repro is not immune to those concerns of labor. Um, I'm interested to know, Kelly, because um, you brought this to, to my attention, like how how are Repro folks receiving this news from all above all and all the firings? All the firings above all the firings, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not going well i would say for for all above all um and and uh i mean i i don't think that anybody thinks this is a really great move for them um to have this kind of reaction to accusations and like something that i think about a lot is that um and i have talked about before i'm not sure if i've talked about it on the podcast before but um I have in the past said that I wanted to be an executive director and sometimes I question if I still want to do that <laughs> because then I see things like this and I'm like, mm. I and my biggest concern um, around getting to that level of leadership is like once I get there, like what kind of things will go to my head because I truly don't understand how how oftentimes people make decisions like that because it, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a good move and I don't want to be the kind of person who thinks that a decision like that is good to make um because I and I also think about like um books that we've read in the restorative and transformative justice book club which you know you were talking earlier about being able to pursue our passions that has obviously been one of those things that I've been able to pursue here at Faith Towards Ohio but um in that we th I often talk about this book um conflict is not abuse and, uh, you know, seeing conflict as an opportunity to learn from other people and an opportunity to grow. And, you know, even when you're being uh, told about things that, like, you have done that have actively hurt other people, like, that does not mean you get to just cancel those people, that you get to just write them off, that you get to just fire them in this case. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just... I feel like a lot of people would benefit from reading that book or just like having more consideration around, uh, you know, uh, how are we dealing with conflict? And especially as people in leadership, uh, how are you dealing with, you know, things that are brought up to you by your staff in a way that is like equitable and like not this. I think it looks particularly bad that they laid off everyone except for the executive team when the executive team is like where the um there were uh how do I how do I say this? Uh there was a anonymous post about um racism within All Above All that came out mm, I think like a month or so ago. Um, I think we could probably find the link to that and, and share that. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about like racism in the workplace at all above all. And, uh, you know, they had made a, uh, you know, a response to that back when this first came out. And then now weeks later, they decide to lay off everyone except for the executive team. And I think it's just really you know, if we're talking about labor and we're talking about safe and sustainable communities, 
this is not that. And I think, like, you cannot be a repro organization that claims to want RJ and then do things like that on a public stage, you know? Like, it, it is not safe or sustainable for uh, lots of people to lose their jobs suddenly. Um, and then that is not to mention any of the, you know, agreements that they're trying to make after um, after firing all these people around severance and and all of that, which you you know a little bit more about labor laws. So if you want to talk about that. Oh, so much more about labor laws. So, um, you know, for those who aren't aware, um, I am the child of two union laborers. My mother and father um, both worked for over 30 years in unionized industries. And um, I'm, I'm here and living because of union insurance and because of union wages that were paid to my parents and union benefits that allow them to live into their golden years without fear of poverty. And when you see organizations, particularly larger organizations that have um, a tremendous amount of money, like All Above All and, and a lot of these other report orgs, I know folks will say, oh, they're not mega, they're not huge. Guess what? They've got plenty of money, right? Um, they're well-funded, well-granted uh, organizations when they don't put their workers at the center of their financial distributions and their financial schemes, things go awry. Just to give everybody an overview, and, and this is directly from All Above All's About section on their website, right? Just uh, a little bit, if you're like, who is All Above All, right? All Above All was launched in 2013, so they're 10 years old, as a woman of color-led effort women of color led effort to restore and sustain public insurance coverage of abortion. These are their words. In a sh few short years, we changed the game by educating policymakers and the public about the harm that these bans, especially for those um, unable to make ends meet, create. Working with our 150 organizational partners, we've been an accelerator for success across the country. Now, just to note that 150 organizational partner number is probably a lot lower right now because everything that you see when you search all above all on um, X, which used to be Twitter, and I don't know, is going, it's going through its own organizational crisis right now. But when you search on that former bird app, um, all above all has a ton of organizations that are just publicly saying, yeah, take us off your partner list because your behavior doesn't match what you have claimed are your priorities. Um, the struggle in this space is all above all has a responsibility to behave like an RJ org. Because remember, we quote this all the time. It is like the Bible. Sister Song defines reproductive justice in terms of the framework as the ability to have children, to not have children, and to parent the children that you do choose to have in safe and sustainable communities. All of that relies on people having agency, and agency comes from just compensation and fair wages. So you have this organization that 
has been partnering with EJ organizations, economic justice organizations like One Fair Wage, to support and pass, you know, $15 an hour minimum wage increases and, you know, these kind of massive worker protection acts that has now decided just to lay off a ton of their workers. All the workers who are making the difference, you know, they tout, oh, we have been an accelerator for success across the country. Well, the people who've accelerated success are the people on the ground. It's not the executives who are doing the organizing. It's not the executives that are going in and making those relationships. Executives are important to make sure the whole organization functions. But at the end of the day, if you have a car with no tires, it ain't going anywhere. And that's what we've got right now at All Above All. You've got... You know, they decided to take all four tires off the car, and they're wondering why the thing stopped. I got a pretty good idea, right? And it's not just all above all, right? You've got other organizations that have made these decisions. Individual Planned Parenthood affiliates across the nation have, in varying degrees, made business decisions um, that really did not necessarily reflect their priorities. PPFA, Planned Parenthood Federation of America, had a significant set of layoffs in June that you really have to sit back and ask, okay, why the restructuring, especially when the funding is not directly impacted in this moment? Um, we don't want to second guess everybody, but it raises questions. Also, and this is my last shtick on this, um, our former affiliate, national affiliate decided to just cut loose all the statewide affiliates many of you remember here a few years ago we had already decided to separate from the religious coalition for reproductive choice um, before they made the board decision to just cut loose their affiliates i will lift up that that organization similarly has made some pretty clear policy decisions about how they don't want to engage at the local level and they have changed their staff to essentially reflect that. Um, just heading over to their staff page right now, um, they're down to, my understanding, a single officer that deals with programming. Um, they have a communications and outreach person that does a lot in terms of getting the message out. They have a chief operating officer that deals with back-end operations, but their only staff member is an executive staff member right now. Um, I don't know if that's going to remain that way, but, you know, organizations like All Above All or National RCRC or other groups, if they think that they can staff an organization just with executives and not with people on the ground actually doing the work, people who are close to and in the middle of and literally living the repro story. I, I, I don't know what the future looks like for that end of the repro movement, right? And, and you think about this in terms of repro, just expand it out, right? Imagine if we had organizations that decided we do not need people to, um, you know, build and manufacture things physically. We just need people to oversee um, building and manufacturing. Well, if nobody's putting rivets in the daggone car, the car ain't getting built, right? Um, workers are the lifeblood of these systems. And all the money, all the effort, all the power rests with the production of the worker and the ability for the worker to regulate 
safety, benefits, leisure, right? Because the fact is, you can't work people 80, 85, 90 hours a week and expect good outcomes. You cannot have a workforce. I, I was at a, a Chamber of Commerce event this morning where the number one and number two conversations with executives and state legislators who were in attendance, it was not a question of drug testing or um, education or, you know, how do we uh, get these organizations to come in and, uh, you know, build big factories. The two biggest conversation centers were around childcare and housing because people lack childcare for their kids and therefore self-select out of the workforce. And people don't have housing near where the jobs are. And as it turns out, those are two really big centers of the repro conversation that RJ folks have been hammering for decades, right? If you listen to anybody talking about RJ, they talk about creating safe and sustainable communities. Well, that means communities with childcare and communities with housing, right? And that's so, not to include like things that are still in, uh, kind of considered like luxuries that are not luxuries anymore, like having you know, internet and access to those kinds of technologies, which are in a lot of positions expected to have yes. internet, have stable connections. And, you know, I mean, I think about like where I, where I live, um, sometimes we have problems, you know, both of my husband, both my husband and I work from home and having a stable internet for us both to be on a meeting at the same time is kind of iffy. And I feel like that is also a part of the labor conversation of like, if you want us to be able to work and you want us to be able to use our skills to provide profit for you, then, or in a nonprofit situation, to provide the labor that moves the movement forward, then we have to have these things that maybe other in, in the past have been considered luxuries, but now are considered a necessity, like internet, like phone access, like childcare. I mean, childcare is like, you you can't work if you're also, that, that is a whole other job in itself. And you can't yeah. be doing two things at once. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this has been a good conversation about, about labor. And I think like um, one thing is for sure is that like, I think there's a more expansive conversation that can be had about what is RJ. You know, we keep talking about let's uh, to have children, to not have children, to um, raise the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. And I think like we still need to have further conversations because it's clear that some people don't understand what mm -hmm. safe and sustainable communities looks like and how that can encompass a, a wide range of things that people need to be able to survive in you know this year of 2023 and beyond um but that's all the time we have for today so um we will be back in a couple weeks um with a new episode thank you for listening to this episode of our soul if you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion abortion access and all things repro you can find all our episodes on podbean spotify and apple podcasts for more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.